welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Here to First Timothy chapter chapter three. Today is a tonight is a message that absolutely applies hundred percent about what we're going to be talking about, and it's going to be sharing about the role of a deacon, and not only that, in many ways, the role of protecting a church. Uh, there's nothing more the devil wants than to destroy a church. And it's actually, I believe, easy to destroy a church. Uh, there are churches all around that are uh, going out of business. And I don't tell you how churches go out of business. They go out of business internally. They, uh, it's not external forces. The government's not closing down churches. Churches just make foolish decisions and do foolish things. Uh, in many ways, uh, if you, uh, no better group is better than shooting themselves in the foot than a local church. So with that, and we're going to see, uh, and we're, I'm going to show you some principles, and part about being a deacon is prevent a church from shooting itself in the foot, and there's ways to actually do that here in our Bible. So I'm going to read this scripture here, and then I'm going to uh, share how the best troubleshooters in a church are actually your deacons. Did you know that? It's not me. It's actually your deacons are the best troubleshooters, not the best shooters, the br- best troubleshooters to shoot down trouble with that. So... We want to make sure we got the word troubleshooters in there, not just the best shooters. Look here in your Bibles here. This is the qualifications of being a deacon. It said, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Deacons likewise. The first seven verses are about my office, office of pastor. The qualifications for a pastor. Then you get here to deacons. Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prune blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, likewise, so there's a role for deacons' wives, should be worthy of respect, not slander, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith in Christ Jesus. There's two offices in Scripture. In a church, there's only two. It's the office of pastor, the office I hold, and then the office of deacons. So that is it. As great as committees are, and great as business meetings are, though, none of those things are actually in the Bible, uh, committees and business, business meetings. But your pastors and your deacons are your biblical offices in church. Now look here about godliness, this next section. And then I'm going to uh, show you what happens, and we're going uh, to read verses 14, 1 Timothy 3.14, to chapter 4, verse 1. I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I have written you that you know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. So throughout this passage, uh, Paul is writing to young Timothy, who's a young minister, and he's talking about godliness, how important it is to maintain a godly lifestyle. And then he goes on to say, He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed in the world, taken up in glory. So that's the work of Christ, what he did there. And then in verse 1, so now he's sharing about how important godliness is for the reason and how important it is to hold to the mystery of the faith, to have great boldness, because verse 1 is important. Chapter 4, verse 1, last Bible verse I'm going to read tonight. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. So God is telling us there's going to be people who leave the faith. 
paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Demons actually will be trying to teach Christians. This is one of the dangers for us as Bible-believing Christians to immerse ourselves into social media, Netflix, the media culture all around us because you're actually listening and watching demonic teachings. Demons rule our, our airwaves. It's all around. It's just demonic. And, it, and you say, Daniel, you mean little, little red demons flying around? Anything that goes against the Word of God is actually demonic. It's the opposite of truth. That's what demonic is. You're actually aligning yourself with the devil than with the Word of God and with the Lord with that. The best troubleshooters in a church or actually your deacons, and usually why, is that's because usually when there's trouble in a church, there's usually two issues in a church, almost always. There's unhappiness with the pastor, and people are fighting over money. That's it. You're fighting over money, and there's unhappiness with the pastor. So a lot of times, the pastor's too personally involved because he's the object of unhappiness. So that's where your unhappiness is. So how can a church's deacons serve as problem solvers. So, uh, because we know there is an enemy, and we know the enemy absolutely wants to destroy churches. Because why? This is the place where people get saved. This is the place where people get redeemed. This is where truth is taught. So if, if the devil wants to destroy something, it's going to be Bible-believing churches with that. So here's, here's, here's the main role. So we're, soon we're going to be ordaining Steve Mosco here. And Steve, this is a charge to you. Steve is already ordained minister. Now he's shifting, and he's served in music ministry for many years. Now he's shifting to being an ordained deacon. And the role is uh, somewhat different. The uh, Bible teaches us that the word deacon literally means, I actually have it up here, the, word, the Greek word for it is diakonos, which literally means through the dusk. Dia means through, and kanos is dust. Scholars, Bible scholars, tell us that the word originated from a practice of servants in the New Testament. So a deacon is a servant. It means you're through the dust. You're here to serve. You're the one that serves in a church. And there's service is all sorts of capacity in all sorts of ways in a church with that. But here's why a church's deacons are the best problem solvers. Number one, the trust level is very high with deacons. Most people in a church trust your deacons. They've been uh, ordained. Uh, they aren't paid staff. I mean, they're here by voluntary reasons, so usually your deacons have a lot of trust. And not only that, because of that, the deacons usually can't be pressured. They're not getting a paycheck. They don't get fired. Nobody fires a deacon. I mean, you, they're, they're there. Like, they have nothing to lose. Like, hey, I'm a deacon. I'm just like you. Why would you? Why? I don't feel any pressure. So your pressure level is totally different when you're a deacon. So the, it's, it's a different dynamic. So they can step into conflicting uh, conflict and solve problems because they have got nothing to lose. Absolutely, I can come in and solve this. Not only that, deacons are very stable, meaning they aren't on an ego trip. They're not trying to one-up folks. They're not trying to, now some people might disagree, they're not trying to impress other people. Your deacons typically in a church are very stable. Here at Broadway Baptist Church, Steve, you're coming on a three-year turn. After three years, you rotate off. 
for one year. If you feel led to serve again, you come back on for another three years. It's a three-year rotating term here at Broadway Baptist Church with that. In order at Broadway to become a deacon, you have to be ordained. You have to be a member. If you're already ordained at another Baptist church, you have to be a member here for one year because the Bible teaches us they can't be a new convert. And then if you've never been ordained before at another church, and you have to be a member here for two years. And the reason for that is you do not want people who joined the church last week and week number two, they're getting ordained. Week number three, they're the chairman. You barely even know who these folks are. So that's the reason there's some like, who are these people? They've been in church at least a year or two, so you can kind of get some idea of who they are. That's the stability that you see from a deacon. So what should you expect from a deacon here at Broadway Baptist Church. This is what you want. Deacons are to serve with the best spirit. That, this is your attitude. Your deacons, we have to do deacon family ministry. Everybody here should know who their deacon is. Deacons should be contacting regularly. David Humlong is my deacon. I'm fully aware of that. He stays in touch with me. I know what he's, he's up to. He's, he's, he greets us. So that's a good spirit that you're doing that. Number two, deacons should be on alert to threats to the church. They should just be aware. What's going on here? What, what are you hearing in the hallway? Are there any threats? And that's not just threats of people pulling up with a gun. Th- most of your threats in a church are internal. It's grumblings. It says, is there something here that I need to nip in the bud? Is there something here that I need to solve? That's where you're going to find your threats. And not only that, deacons should work in harmony with your pastor and your staff. So the deacons work with me. The deacons work with your music minister, your youth pastor, our soon one-day children's director. I mean, there's, there's a sense of ministry that they are serving together. You show up and you serve. And that is, a, that is what you should expect of being a deacon. So Steve, as you're getting ordained, the church... The, a great spirit, you're just aware of threats, and not only that, you have a harmony with the pastor and, and, and staff you're serving. You know, I think it's been two years, it's been at least two years since we have ordained a deacon here at Broadway. Now next year I'm going to have a surge. I've got a pipeline of a bunch of young guys coming up the line, Steve, for being, so we're probably going to be, be ordained about three or four men. So I haven't used this illustration in a while, and this is my illustration I'm going to use, Steve. This is our Home Depot. Home Depot's down the road, and when you become a deacon, you're going to get these two buckets. This is what you're going to get, and I'm going to illustrate how this actually, I've seen this, and I can talk about this because the gentleman who passed away a few months ago in Georgia, so uh, both the men I'm going to share about have gone to be with the Lord. You get two buckets here when you become a deacon, and not just our church, any church you go to. One bucket's going to have a bucket of gas in it. Because one day you're going to come to church and you're going to hear something. You don't even know if it's true. It doesn't even matter if it's true. And you've got a bucket of gas. And when you hear something, you just take a bucket of gas and you just throw it on there and you can catch the whole church on fire. And you can blow something up even bigger very easily. And this doesn't even just apply to church. You do this at home, you do it at work, you do this anywhere. When you hear stuff, you just... Say, you know, we're going to just really gas it on up. You're going to take it to a new level. In the other bucket, you're going to receive, Steve, a bucket of water where you just pour that on there and it goes out. I served nearly 12 years, David, in Georgia. Two men at that church 
I'm going to share a story about. They were both deacons. And I both knew them extremely well. One man was named Duke. I've shared about Duke before. Duke is with the Lord. He was truly an evangelist. Duke was uh, someone who was so faithful all the time. He was a, his wife died at a young age, and he just served the, year, the Lord for decades uh, by himself. Just, just faithful, faithful, faithful. And, there, and uh, he's a huge supporter of his pastor. And then there was a man named Howard. Now, Howard was the chairman of deacon several times. Howard David, I would say, was a 95% supporter of his pastor. 95%. Howard ha- suffered from something. I'm going to be very blunt with you. Suffered from what Sherry and I called short man's disease. Have you ever heard of short man's disease? I know we don't have any short men here, but Howard was a special man. He's now with the Lord, him and his wife. And he, he loved the Lord. He was in the music ministry. And he was a 95% supporter of me. He was very active. And Howard, one day, he was shopping for a criticism. I was in a deacon's meeting with Howard and Duke. They were both there. And this is an example of our two buckets. And Howard, if there was a window to strike at me, he would, he'd take a swing. He'd, he'd, he'd shoot a bullet if he could. Uh, but 95% of the time, he, he, his gun stayed in his, his hoister. But every now and then, if he wanted something, he was going to strike at me. And we're in a deacon's meeting, and, and he, was, he was a bold man. I mean, you, he didn't talk behind my back. He just flat out said it right in front of everybody. So he was making a critical statement about me and trying to get some support from some other deacons, because that's what you do. This is how, this is where, this is how you get some, this is how you attack people. You want to round, round some other folks up, and he was saying something about me. And I'm like, dude, I'm sitting right there, Howard. Like, like I'm not even away. Like, I'm right there. I hear everything you're saying. You're like, you didn't let me go out of the room. You're just sitting there going after me right there. He was being critical of something I did. And Duke had, he was an older man, and he was hard of hearing. So Howard was trying to get Duke to agree with him. And he says, dude, do you agree what the pastor did? It was wrong, wasn't it? Like, we, we shouldn't tolerate that. That's what he, he was saying that. And Duke would go, huh? <laughs> and then he, Howard spoke up again. Did you hear me? I was talking about what the pastor did. This, I'm not kidding. He goes, I'm sorry. That's what he said. I'm sorry. So I didn't know, quite understand what was going on. I'm just standing there like, Howard, brother, I, like, we go visiting together. We are sitting next to each other. Like, you're talking about me. I'm right there. You're right there. Deuce right there. Like, this, like if you, why didn't you come to me? Why didn't, you bring, why didn't you bring this up in a meeting if you were unhappy with this? Like I say, Howard, this was the 5%, David. The 5% I'm in on this one. Because he, he was a 95% supporter of his pastor. So after the meeting was over, so Howard got frustrated because Duke didn't agree with him. And after the meeting, because Duke and I, we, we were, Duke was just a godly man. We, he, I saw him like that next Wednesday. We were together. And I said, Duke, uh, did you hear what Howard said? Like, did you follow what the man was saying? He was talking about me. Were you aware of that? He smiled and he winked. He said, Dan, I heard every single word. <laughs> I knew exactly what he was saying. My hearing aids can be to my advantage. I want to tell you something, Steve. He took the cold water bucket at that moment and poured it on because it could have got out of hand. Howard was fishing in that moment. He was looking for some other support. And by Duke playing dumb and acting like he couldn't hear, he heard every single word he was saying. 
But he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna pitch a fit over this. It's not worth it. This is, you might, Howard, you might not agree with this, but we're not gonna fire the boy, fire the young man, because you don't agree with what he's doing. And a lot of times, Steve, it won't be always, but there will be a day in your three-year term where one day you might be in the fellowship hall, you might be in the choir room, and someone, all of a sudden, you're going to see, you're going to hear something being done, and you're going to be standing there, and your response is always going to be one of these buckets. Do I pour the gas on? And you can do pour the gas on, and you've got a bigger issue. Or just like Duke, do you pretend you don't even know what? I have no idea what you're even talking about. I can't even hear. I'm totally clueless. And just pour the water on, and the problem went away. <clears throat> the Bible teaches us we have a responsibility as men, as leaders in a church. The Bible teaches that we are to keep the peace. And that verse I read in 1 Timothy 4.1, there are demonic teachings there is nothing more that the devil wants to do than to come in and stir up trouble and to cause problems within a congregation so in many ways steve this is a high calling but you always when you hear a message like this when you get ordained like this you always think well next week you need to be on the guard uh, it comes when you least expect it it'll, you won't ha- nothing happened next year and a half it'll just you'll just go on but then one day one day, all of a sudden, it comes, and you have to be ready. How am I going to respond in this situation? Steve, I'm going to invite you to come forward. I'm going to get you a microphone. I want you to share about you and your, fa- your wife, Jane, and Brian, and Carrie, and your family, and then you share about what the Lord's been doing in your life. We'll use this one. It's number three. This is microphone number three. Microphone number three. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Good evening, church. I'm Steve Mosco. Um, I came to Broadway because of that man over there. David Dale was your music minister, and he is a wonderful man. And I knew him before I came here, so I came here because David was your music minister. Now, he wasn't here the first time I came. The first time I came to here, I was five years old, and I was in vacation Bible school. And one of the ladies in choir, when we first came, said, I remember you. And I said, you do? He said, she said, yeah, you were a little demon. And I thought, yes, ma'am, I probably was. And I did not argue. When I was 12, I was at Porter Memorial Baptist Church, and I did a musical called Rock on the Head. And I was David and David and Goliath. And that is when I heard the word of God. And that is when I became a Christian. If God could work with a rock through David, surely God could work through me. Scripture says, Jesus called for the children and said to them, said to his disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Luke 18, verse 16. Don't minimalize your ministry don't minimalize vacation bible school i cannot tell you how many people have seen god through that ministry just like i did when i was a kid when i was in high school i went to versailles baptist church and i was there and i was an active member 
And in high school, we started something called the Yes Club, Youth Engaged in Service. And I was able to do some devotions through there, and I learned how to walk with God. Um, I also hit my mentor, Bruce Richardson, who was a wonderful man of God. He was the music minister there, and taught me how to sing a complicated song that got me a scholarship in voice. So he has always been my mentor. He was also the pastor who, uh, who was the man who married Jane and I. And scripture says, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in that you say, in what you live, and in your love, your faith, and your purity. That's 1 Timothy 4, 11, and 12. If you're a member of a church, be a member of that church. If you're in the youth department, be a member of that youth department because that's where you learn how to walk with God, and that's where I learn how to walk with God. When I went to college, I was in the, I was in the, uh, the, the Baptist ministry, and I sang in an ensemble, and that ensemble went to this small little church called Kirksville Baptist, and one of the older ladies said, we're going to get that boy to come lead our songs. So that was my first calling to Kirksville Baptist Church, and David, I was going to build a Mormon tabernacle choir out of 13 members at a church that was really, really small. But I learned there that God can use anyone to do the work that he needs done. The second church I served at was South Elkhorn Baptist Church, and man, that was an interesting service. I really loved that church, and there are a couple of people here that I think we ran into each other then. The third one I served at was Brunner's Chapel Baptist Church. Now, I love my title. I was the part-time minister of music, youth, and children. (laughs) Part-time. I spent so much time in that car, driving between the school that I was teaching at Crawford Middle School and that church over and over and over. So I bought me a nice convertible Mustang and enjoyed my drive back and forth from that church God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 1 Peter 4.10. Are you using your ministry for this church? I can't answer that for you. Are you using your ministry for this church? The next church that I attended was Emmanuel Baptist. I was at one church, and I just couldn't get comfortable. I just couldn't get comfortable. So I ended up going to Emmanuel Baptist, where I met Jane Greenfield. And that was the biggest change in my life. God sends someone to you to, to tame you, to keep you in line, to put you where you need to be. And for me, that's Jane Mosco. I promise you, I don't do anything without asking Jane first. <laughs> I really don't. Because nine times out of ten, she'll go, honey... I know that you really think that's important, but you just need to think about it a little harder. (laughs) Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Just right for him. And that's Jane. I went to Trinity Baptist Church, and I served there from 97 to 2000, and I got to tell my story about my daughter. Carrie was three years old, bless her heart, 
the pastor wanted her to sing Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Well, she got up on this little chair and she sang that song and everybody thought she was amazing and wonderful. Well, my son, who was about a year and a half smaller, crawled up while I was doing invitation, because it's always during invitation, crawled up and looked at me. So I picked him up and I kept going. We did the invitation and set him down, gave him back to Jane. Everybody wanted to tell Carrie what a wonderful job she did, and she kept running underneath the pews. No, 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 no. And we were like, what on earth is this child doing? We got in the car, kids were in the back. I said, Carrie Elizabeth, what's wrong? And why would you not let those people tell you that you did a good job? And she said this, Brian got to sing with everybody in the church, and I didn't. I thought, oh my gosh. I said, well, Carrie, what do you want to say? She said, I'm going to sing a song. I said, okay. She sang this. Amazing grace, cause Carrie is mad, cause dad didn't let her sing with all of the people in the church. And Carrie is oh so mad. We had to pull the car over because we were laughing so hard that she, and I actually got permission for her to say that story before I did, because I didn't want to cross that, that path and not be able to come back. What an amazing point. She was mad, because she didn't get to sing with all the people. It's one of our favorite stories to tell. As recently... There are three men in my life who mean the world to me. I would go to battle with them anytime. Rick Smith, who's here. Mo Lloyd, whose wife is here. And Ransom Davenport, who couldn't come because he had surgery on his big toe. Yeah, that's why Ransom isn't here. Um, and I'm going to take him to the doctor tomorrow. You need to have people like that in your life. You need to have men who stand behind you. You need to have someone that you call and say, I've got this problem, what do I do? And they tell you, who are you for that person? Are you doing that for someone in this church? Pray about that, because you were called here for a reason. Don't be passive, be active.